Welcome back to season 11, episode five of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast, where we bring you the extraordinary lectures from the DocSF Experience 2023 in San Francisco. My name is Dr. Stefan Obini. I am from the University of California, San Francisco, and I will be your host for the podcast. In this next episode, we will hear from none other than Dr. Daniel Kraft, and he'll talk about digital health trends and put the whole conference in context. Please join me as we welcome Dr. Kraft to the DocSF stage. Thanks, Stefano. Great to be back at DocSF. So I'm a MedPeds trained hematologist, oncologist, bone marrow transplant doc. So I thought I would start not the digital side. I give you, since I was in the OR yesterday morning with an orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kevin Stone, I thought I'd give you one second on some orthopedic innovation I developed as a BMT fellow. It's still emerging on harvesting bone marrow. Some of you use bone marrow for spinal fusions and such and hasn't changed in a while. So I developed a minimally invasive way to harvest that called the, the marrow miner, which gives out marrow much faster, easier in the iliac or other places in the body. So if any of you are using marrow for BMAC or other applications, come find me. I was actually in the OR yesterday. So it's always to be good to be in the orthopedic space. Okay, but we're going to talk more about this sort of digital elevation, innovation, in healthcare, obviously the theme of DocSF, how we're getting healthcare more broadly, more digital, hopefully more intelligent, a bit more data-driven, personalized, and can also be more democratized and accessible. I was doing a little art this morning themed around orthopedics, of course, as a year from Mohan. We all can get help around with uh, ChatGPT, 3, 4, Dolly, etc. It's moving so, so quickly, and I think thematically is going to be changing all of our lives. I'm sure you've all been playing with all the different examples out there, but the big picture element is that it's moving much faster than the regulatory and the ethics and the guidelines and guardrails we might want to put around it. So fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be uh, quite a disruptive time. And I'm sure that you've tried some of these things that can really enable care today. There's Docs GPT, so it'll write your notes for you. Or if you want to write in Spanish wound care instructions, it'll do it for you on the fly. Or recommendation letters for medical students. All the way to just, I just found this yesterday, chat PDF. It can read your journal articles and synthesize them and ask you to and enable you to quiz your PDF. So exciting times for the chat GPT realm, including auto GPT, which is the new kid in town, which really can layer all these solutions together. So what I think this is going to lead to, a big picture, I know it's already been mentioned today, is this sort of realm of generative health for each of us as clinicians or our patients or any of us will have this sort of digital layer that will be just in time, the virtual environment, the voice, the text based on age, culture, language, et cetera, really enabling precision, digital health and design and user interface. So back to the topic at hand, sort of health, you know, health is wealth. I think thematically, the future of digital orthopedics and beyond is that this convergence, the super convergence of these technologies, many of which didn't exist, you know, 20 something years ago when I was a Stanford medical student, whether it's computational biology or CRISPR gene editing or virtual and mixed reality, all those things are relatively new and enable us to have new tools to think about the present day and future of care. And so our challenge, I think, is to not just have a fail of your imagination or imagination about what's here possible today, but what's going to be possible in the next decade and take us from where we are sort of now our sort of intermittent reactive sick care model to a future that's much more continuous, data-driven, virtualized, and with better outcomes and beyond. And to think more on the wellness side even than on the sick care side of the equation. There's this whole new realm of precision wellness. A lot of folks obviously thinking about health span and lifespan. And I think the MSK world in orthopedics is going to uh, have some interesting ways to go in restorative medicine and even some of these new, still in mice, but coming to man ways to maybe even reverse aging. So watch that space. Big picture though, you know, we're still in what used to be the future, 2023. But if I go back and visit Mass General Hospital where I trained or Stanford, we're still using fax machines to communicate paper forms. Got like my last cardiac study came back to me on a CD-ROM play a CD-ROM. I don't even own a CD-ROM player anymore. I'm not sure about you. So we still have some digital elements that are, some elements that are not digitized that are stuck and holding us back. While the pandemic accelerated virtual care, we're kind of back to waiting rooms and back to how we design, whether it's big pharma companies, device companies, medical academic groups are still kind of based on old silos and thinking. And I think it's our opportunity to really connect the dots and integrate that sort of both knowledge and practice going forward. 
Now, we've all seen a lot of disruption around us from how we do our digital banking to how we get our digital entertainment. COVID was clearly a big negative disruptor and also opened our eyes to the fact that all many fields have reached the fourth industrial age. Healthcare is still stuck in the third and sometimes the second. So lots of room to improve. And, you know, it acted as a super catalyst. Just to spot next to the space age, COVID sparked a bit of a new health age. And we have to take some of the positive momentum and keep carrying it forward into this next decade ahead. So as Stefano mentioned, I chaired a program for now over 12 years called Exponential Medicine, which has now gone to what's next, Next Med Health. And the, the thing I've learned from Next Med Health and Exponential Medicine is that when you bring people together from all sorts of different fields, that's sort of where the magic happens, from different countries, different mindsets, patients, pharma, payers, everything from folks doing psychedelics to chatbots to CRISPR. And we just had this a month ago. We had some, some famous surgeons there. And again, it's a lot about mindset and cross-fertilization where we want to go to take us from where we are now to what's next. And we all know Moore's Law, but I want to remind you of Amara's Law, that sometimes we see something shiny and new, even something like ChatGPT, or remember 10 years ago with IBM Watson, we tend to overestimate what might happen in two years, but really underestimate what might happen in a decade. And I think even in the time that since StockX have started, a lot is now starting to come to reality on the farther end of this tale. And so just because ChatGPT wasn't perfect yet or what have you, there's going to be a lot with a couple more clicks of Moore's Law. The final lesson from NextMed is that it's often about, again, mindset. This is a quote from the head of innovation from NHS, an old quote he shared. The difficulty lies not in the new ideas, but escaping from the old ones. So the trick is many of us have new ideas, but our colleagues may be stuck in their old ones. So where are we and where are we and where are we going next? So let's start with some of the elements that are being digitized. Obviously, the genome has come from you know $10,000 about a decade ago to arguably two or $300. The next decade, we'll see it come down to $10. That means we can hopefully have all our patients sequenced sometimes before they're born, integrate that into pharmacogenetics, hopefully into the workflow of the clinician. Diseases, as common ones such, such as type 2 diabetes, will be understood at their genomic level, won't be called the same disease, they'll be subsetted. And we'll continue to hone that loop, whether it's genomic information at the bedside or the website or in the public health sector. And of course, we're now in the year beyond the genome. There's the proteome, there's the exposome, the metabolome, the microbiome. We know how it plays such an important role, everything from mental health to obesity. And the opportunity, and it's often overhyped, is the ability to layer all those components together or what's often called the digital twin. And I think the next decade will really be the era of the true ability to simulate and predict for the individual or the population and have much smarter, more precise, personalized elements across the care continuum. And so exponentials are at play. Moore's Law hasn't petered out yet. What that's enabled, of course, is many tools become digitized, democratized, dematerialized, and quantum computing is here and going to accelerate and only enable us further past where Moore's Law peters out. So, of course, our favorite exponential technology is still our smartphone. Rumor has it next month or so we'll get the soon-to-arrive Apple augmented reality glasses, which I think will be a big game changer. Or the contact lenses will be here in the next decade. It'll enable us to overlap information in the OR or on our runs. And of course, these start out a bit kludgy, but they're, of course, impacting healthcare. There's been many sessions of prior DocSS about the power in VR and OR and XR, everything from the ability now to guide procedures, learning from thousands of prior cases, as many of you are involved in, to the ability now to build the metaverse in the operating room, where you'll be able to track your procedures, get guidance in real time. Again, learn from maybe tens of thousands of cases and master surgeons around the world, continually improving based on that sort of knowledge. Knowledge. And so I think we're all going to get up-leveled, whether you're a physician or a community health worker, kind of from driver assist to clinician assist, will be really ramping up this next decade. Now, of course, there's some fun tools that are often for video gaming. We've all liked to put Graham on a roller coaster, but I think as you all know, VR has some great roles in everything from treating pain to enabling and gamifying physical therapy to I spent 100 days doing VR workouts early in the pandemic and 
So my resting heart rate came down like by 10 or 12 points. In lots of ways, that's going to integrate with the MSK world as it already has. I think the biggest application is to really start to democratize medical education from the sort of C1, do one, teach one to the C1, simulate, simulate to get it right, whether you're an individual or a clinician or a, a team. And finally, as lots of applications in the orthopedic world to enable you to, to train and personalize and optimize therapies. Diagnostics is something that's also often on the exponential. 10 years ago, we had the first diagnostics on a smartphone, the IBG star for blood glucose. You know, we saw the first examples of an EKG on a phone. Now you see ads for them on Best Buy and, and CNN, and you can get an EKG on a credit card that's AI powered from our friend Dave Albert who's been here at prior sessions. Common variables, blood pressure, blood sugar is all coming to our wristwatches and patches. I'm actually wearing a demo device now and when it's charged up, it tracks my blood sugar and my blood pressure seamlessly. It's pretty close when I've been checking it to actual glucometers. Or nothing needs to be worn. Invisibles, you know, cameras now can pick up blood pressure, heart rate, stress levels, all from the camera on your standard phone or laptop. So again, we're going to start to collect this digital exhaust anywhere or use a smartphone camera as a bit of a medical selfie or to enable the nurse or the patient to take a picture of their own wound, leverage and understand that in a quantified way and give guidance. Or again, the idea of bringing the lab to your smartphone instead of dipping the urine and bringing it to the laboratory. Smartphone camera, now FDA cleared, can dip your urine, pick up a UTI, preeclampsia, early kidney disease at the press of a smartphone button. So that whole sort of enablement of UI is coming. And of course, in the digital era, we don't need to wear anything. The invisibles can go to voice, voice is a biomarker to predict mental health, neurologic disease, or is that cough, COVID, croup, or a uh, common cold. Now, what I think this leverages across the bigger picture in terms of self-care and true preventive health care is behavior change, right? We're only 13 years into the Fitbit. I'm sure most of you have some sort of wearable or otherable. I wonder how many of your patients you've engaged with their wearable data, but I think clearly has many applications from tracking cardiovascular disease in real time to tracking the health of a diabetic foot. I met here a couple of years ago, the folks from Spire, they started as a meditation device to track that, but now with CPT codes to track uh, respiratory decompensation at home. You've got the ringables of the world, the aura ring, for example, that's great at tracking sleep or pregnancy, or even can predict as done with UCSF, your COVID titer after a booster shot. So consumer devices are filtering into the medical mindset. The trick is how do we leverage those in the clinic, including, you know, all these new versions of patchables that can stream an ICU level of data, whether you need to admit that patient or hospital home that patient. Tremendous opportunity to hopefully not just get the data, but the insights. And I love this slide. I always steal it from Stefano. It's a small data, right? You send a patient home after an orthopedic procedure, they're walking more and doing well or walking less and need an intervention. Doesn't take fancy data or an FDA clear device to get those insights. So where are we in a decade? You know, we're going to have each of our patients and each of us sort of with our digitome collected 24-7. And not just our vital signs, but the ability now to have sort of Theranos for real. This is work out of Stanford published earlier this year where you can do microsampling, a drop of blood, in this case, every hour by Mike Snyder, give incredible dense monitoring of an individual and soon populations to really understand disease at the multi-omics and the sort of physiomic level. So really going to get interesting when we put that together. And that's going to affect everything from precision nutrition, bridging your microbiome or metabolome, your base genome to predict the right nutrition levels all the way to the ability to bring that into proactive care. On the imaging side, you've seen all the advances there with the ability to have AI enhance your radiologist. I had my own MRI done at Pernuvo for a couple thousand dollars just about a month ago. I think we'll see in the next decade the ability to walk in your corner CVS or Walgreens or Minute Clinic and maybe have a whole scan done read by the radiologist in 10 minutes. On smaller and smaller devices, Hyperfine is out on the market. Of course, that enables, as I had done, my brain to be MRI'd on a boat going down the river on the Hudson River in five minutes, plugged into wall power. So democratizing diagnostics around the planet. The disruptive element means that we can sort of bring care anywhere. This is a picture of my sort of digital doctor's bag, or it could be for a community health worker. The stethoscope that can now listen to heart sounds and diagnose the murmur better than I can. The AI-enabled ultrasound device that can now be guiding the patient themselves to do their own health self-exams. Again, democratizing diagnostics around the planet, I think is going to be a big thematic. 
Now, the challenge, of course, is creates tons of information, sometimes data, but not information. I think augmented intelligence is more the theme than artificial intelligence. Everything from radiology is well known to gastroenterology to analyzing your patient's data in the ICU or the SICU to predict who's going to have a problem sometimes days or weeks in advance. And the challenge for us is to know how do we collaborate with that? How do we become not the human versus the robot, but the cobot element? We are seeing more robotics, in this case, the avatar, the human inside the machine, but with AGI rapidly approaching, I think we're gonna see lots of applications blending robotics and AGI or advanced capabilities for telehealth and beyond. So this all, of course, gets synthesized in the theme of this next couple of days, which is digital health. I think of digital health as the ability to take these forms of data and mash them up and make them really applicable to that individual, that clinician, that patient, that community. Obviously, there's lots of study going on. You can't just prescribe a Fitbit and expect someone to lose weight or exercise more. The era of digital therapeutics is clearly here. Dozens of FDA-cleared apps from everything from smoking cessation to mental health platforms to video games to treat ADHD. They're all out there, but are you guys using them? Can you integrate them into your workflow? And when we do have these more available, each of us and our patients will move from this era of quantified self to quantified health. We'll have sort of continuous data flowing, whether it's for prevention, diagnostics, or therapy. And now that that data can flow through our devices, we can start to map that as Verily is doing, or the All of Us trial, making sense of our digital exhaust, genomics, and other layers to truly bring us an era of predictalytics, where every individual have a personalized score that we can make sense in context. Or a check engine light for the body, which I used to joke about, but now is in reality, you know, again, out of Stanford, leveraging all this multi-omic and other information, you can tell two days before you're COVID positive and have symptoms that you may be infected. And I think this takes us in the decade to ahead, kind of that minority report realm where we're going to get proactive pings with stage zero diagnostics rather than late stage. I've been looking at this digital health space for a while. It's a bit overwhelming. So to try and address the challenge of making sense of it, I launched last summer uh, with my co-founder, Parisa Vitanka here, a platform called Digital.Health, which you can all try today. It's now live where you can search for technologies. It might be around diagnostics and you can find the AliveCore device and look at its evidence base and put in your own digital formulary or prescribe that to a patient as one example. Or you might be looking at orthopedic solutions of which there's probably a couple hundred on the database already. And Parisa is here, so find her later if you're interested in Digital.Health. Finally, the trick and opportunity is, again, to pull all this information together. We don't want just more data. We want the insights and we want it to be seamless and integrated and aligned with our incentives and a continuous closed work loop. We've seen all the challenges with our current platforms that don't really enable workflow in friendly ways. We're getting some help, probably from ChatGPT, even from Epic. Epic Fail is going to come along and partner on that. But again, technology by itself without integrating into our design-enabled features is a bit of a so what. And when this all comes together, we're going to enter this sort of Google Maps or ways of healthcare. Just like we share our driving data, we'll start to become data donors across the paradigm. We can opt in to join clinical trials in much more seamless ways. Platforms like Quantified Citizen or Stuff That Works, gleaning insights from thousands or even millions of patients and bringing that to the point of care. And the point of care, of course, is becoming blended, not virtual or physical, but intermittent or combined, taking us from this era of intermittent reactive sick care to a future that's going to be, as we've kind of already covered, to be much more continuous, proactive, anytime, anywhere. I think that's sort of the big picture of where we're taking us, again, from hospital to hospital and with all the elements in virtual care that we've already talked about amount of time. So I'll just make the point that Virtual care in the future will be quite different. The avatars are getting very, very advanced. It will be entering the mediverse, not the metaverse. You can turn yourself into an avatar for a couple dollars today very easily, and soon those will be animated and powered up to represent you. That begs the question, who do we choose for medical school? How do we teach good website manner, not just good bedside manner going forward? And how do we take all these new forms of data, which are often siloed and not interconnected, and not just go to big data, but to insights and knowledge and translate that more quickly to the point of care, whether that's the bedside, website, or beyond. So in summary, we're entering the, I think this is a very exciting health age. Everything is accelerating. It's not about any one technology. It's how we mash them up together to create this new enabled, digital, personalized, smart age of health and medicine. So let's be like Wayne Gretzky. Let's skate to where the puck is going 
going to be, not where the puck has been. Let's create that future and get from now to next more quickly, collaboratively, and not take incremental steps, but exponential ones. So with that, thanks for having me, Stefano, and let's go create the future. Thanks. An amazing run through. And if you were to pick one technology that, and I saw ChatGPT that's really getting excited in the world of healthcare, which would it be? I think it was like eight years ago, we had the CEO of Moderna at Exponential Medicine, and no one had heard of mRNA at that time as a potential therapeutic. And of course, we've all learned about it and been using it. I think that's on the cusp of changing almost everything. And that was synthetic biology, vaccines, not just for COVID, but for neurology disease, cancers, and the ability to kind of create N of one type therapeutics is going to get very exciting. N of one therapeutics. Great thought to leave us on. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to the Digital Orthopedics Podcast and this lecture from Dr. Kraft. If you find the talks as incredibly informative and topical as we did, please do share this podcast with your friends and leave us a nice review on your podcast player of choice. We'd love it if you did. 